45 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Yeah. 
Ki kai 
Zamri 
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos. Thanks for tuning in and being part of our amazing radio experience. I welcome those of you around the world, those of you in New York and New Jersey. We are based in New York City, and we have this uh, unbelievable and incredible audience that is tuned in, it seems, everywhere. And I thank you all. Lipa had nonstop Freilach. You heard Baruch Levine's boy, Vishalom. You heard Mendy Werdiger's boy, Vishalom. You heard Regesh with Viazor. And, of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. As we say good morning, it's Friday on this June 30th. We're halfway through 2017, day six in the month of Tammuz, the year 5777. Tough Shania and Zion, the three weeks begin 11 days from now, believe it or not. Yeah, the calendar continues to uh, creep forward. Maybe not creep, maybe uh, move rapidly forward. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Chukas. Today is Vav Chukas. Uh, candle lighting time at 8.11 on this era of Shabbos. 8.11 is candle lighting time. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. In the New York area, it's 8.11. Up in Guilford, Camp Missora area, I noticed that candle lighting is 8.23. Yeah, a lot of places are even later than New York. Um... 74 degrees outside, afternoon thunderstorms and a high of 88. Thunderstorms early tonight, low 73 tomorrow. Scattered thunderstorms, a high shot is 81 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 88. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Missouri, 67 degrees with thunderstorms. We're at 74 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Hope you're doing well, everybody. We have a, a big Friday. Every Friday is a big day. Weekly update, Malcolm Honline will join us at 740 Eastern time. We'll go through the events of the week and talk about the news from this week especially vis-a-vis Israel and the Jewish world. Uh, coming up at um, 8.15, or by Yudin, of course, with the Torah portion of the week. We wrap up at 9 a.m. and go straight to Naomi Nachman and her uh, part two of her special broadcast, which uh, started last week at the Kosher Culinary Center in Brooklyn. Part two will be today. And then a full day on our network with the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix, which we are looking forward to all the way until candlelighting time. Yeah. And a big weekend, of course, as well. So plenty happening, a lot going on. 
I thank you so much for tuning in and being part of this radio experience, as I like to call it. And I um, want to remind those who did not have an opportunity to participate in last month's fundraising campaign for JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network, you can go to the uh, FJB, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting website, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org and give generously, and we greatly appreciate it. We uh, try to keep going every single day, providing all we can with great and uh, amazing programming. And uh, those of you out there who've been supporting us, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. 27 minutes before 7 o'clock, this is JM in the AM.
Yeah. 
From Sheves Achim at Shema Koleinu, Shah Shalom from Sholi, you heard Shalom Rav done by Shalshelas, Micha Gammerman, Shalom Aleichem, and Simcha Liner with Shalom. Liner piece by request from our app, Mordechai Shapiro opened up the set with Ivdu off of Kol Haderech. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard. Listeners sponsored digital radio around the world in the web at NachumSingle.com on the NachumSingle Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. Candle lighting at 811 in New York on this era of Shabbos Parshas Chukas. Today is Vav Chukas. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Toe from Jam and the Am. שעה שתיים, כאן רני אבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. שוב זליגת ירי מסוריה לצפון רמת הגולן, אין נפגעים. כתבנו אריאל זיגלר. נפילות זהו בדקות האחרונות בשטח פתוח בצפון רמת הגולן, לא היו נפגעים ולא נגרם נזק. בצהל אמרו כי מדובר בזליגה מהלחימה הפנימית בסוריה. מוקדם יותר השבוע התחייב ראש הממשלה נתניהו כי כל זליגה תענה בתגובה ישראלית. בתנועה הרפורמית תוקפים את הסיעות החרדיות בעקבות פיצוץ הישיבה בעניין משבר חוק הגיור. הרב גלעד קריב, מנכ"ל התנועה, קרא להתערבות של ראש הממשלה והוסיף הסיעות החרדיות מוכיחות פעם נוספת שאחדות העם היהודי היא הדבר האחרון שמעניין אותם. צריך לומר עד כאן למסע ההרס של יחסי ישראל והתפוצות. כך קריב. בסיום הדיון הסוער קרא בטוויטר שר האוצר משה כחלון לצדדים לחזור לשולחן המשא ומתן בכדי להגיע למתווה מוסכם. כחלון הוסיף, אל לנו לחזור לתקופות של פילוג העם, זה הזמן לפעול למען אחדות. כך כחלון. פרשת ההתעללות בגבעת אולגה, הוארך מעצרם של ההורים החשודים בהתעללות קשה בתינוקם עד כדי עיוורון בעיניו. כתבנו קובי מנדל שמע את עורך הדין רב אופנהיימר, המייצג את האם. החשודה חרדה לשלום בנה הפעוט, היא כופרת בחשדות, אין לה שום קשר לחבלות או לתקיפת הפעוט, ומבחינתה אלה הן חשדות מפלצתיות, שלה אין שום קשר לכך. המשבר בהדסה. הסתיימה פגישתם של שר הבריאות ליצמן וההורים לילדים החולים. בשעה זו נועד ליצמן עם הרופאים. כתבתנו טל זרביב. ההורים הודיעו אמש על כוונתם לפרוש מהליך הגישור. הם הוסיפו כי ההחלטה מגיעה בעקבות התנהלותו של שר הבריאות ליצמן, שלא מוצא לנכון לטרוח ולהגיע לדיונים, אלא שולח פקידים שדוחים כל הצעה שעולה על הפרק, לשון ההורים. השר התייצב לבקשתם בעליון, בלשכתו של המגשר, השופט לשעבר אליקים רובינשטיין, שם נפגש עם ההורים וכעת גם עם הרופאים המתפטרים. סימון וייל, ניצולת השואה היהודייה שכיהנה כשרה בממשלת צרפת, הלכה לעולמה. כתבנו יותם לביא. והיא שנשאה מספר שקועקה על ידה במחנה ההשמדה אושוויץ, הייתה לאישה הראשונה שמונתה לנשיאת הפרלמנט האירופי, וכיהנה כשרת הבריאות וכשרת הרווחה בצרפת. ב-1996 
במסגרת תפקידה פעלה רבות למען זכויות נשים, בין היתר בחקיקת חוק שמאפשר ביצוע הפלות. היא הלכה לעולמה היום בגיל 89. עם סיומה של שנת הלימודים תשע"ז יצאו לחופשת הקיץ כמיליון וחצי תלמידי בתי הספר היסודיים וגני הילדים. יחד איתם יצאו או יכבשו בעצם גם כמאה ושלושים אלף עובדי הוראה. כתבתנו מיכל צ'ין שמעה את התלמידים המתרגשים וגם את חלק מההורים שפחות מתלהבים. אני ממש מתרגשת לעלות לשנה הבאה, ואני לוקחת את הזמן ליהנות בחופש עם החברים. בית ספר זה משעמם, לימודים זה משעמם, אבל החופש הגדול זה הכי כיף. אני אוהבת להיות עם הילדים שלי, אוהבת שמתחיל החופש הגדול, לא צריך לקום בבוקר, לא צריך להתארגן. עבורנו החופש הגדול הוא טור של קרקס, העיקר שהילדים נהנים. שתהיה חופשה נעימה ובטוחה. מזג האוויר, ממחר תורגש הכבדה נוספת בעומסי החום, תחול עלייה ניכרת בטמפרטורות, לקראת גל חום שימשיך לפחות עד יום שלישי. אלה החדשות שערכה רון לביוד בצוות איתמר דרוקמן והילה מזרחי. Thank you. 
Thank <laughs>
In the AM, Aaron Razel, Yona Matzah, before that, Lachado D from a Shabbat in Liverpool. You heard Ivriana Ochi, it's Benny Friedman, and of course, Rami Kleinstein with uh, Matanot Kfano. 22 minutes after 7 o'clock in the morning, it's Friday at JM in the AM on this Arab Shabbos. Parshas Chukas, candle lighting at 8.11, 8.11 in the New York area. If you're up at Camp Misora, official candle lighting time is 8.23. That would be 7.23 camp time. Thank you. Uh, Tuesday's the 4th of July. We're here, of course, next week with amazing programming. Make sure to be tuned in, even if you're away for the summer months, even if you're vacationing or traveling. Remember, we are just one click of an app away. So no matter where you are, make sure to be tuned in at all times to JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. You'll be glad you did. And if you're traveling by car, boy, oh, boy, we could be an amazing accompaniment as you um, hit the roads and travel for hours to your destination. So keep that in mind. Uh, amazing programming all through the day. Naomi Nachman is coming up with part two of her visit to the Kosher Culinary Center in Brooklyn, New York. That'll happen between 9 and 10 this morning, right after JM and the AM. Starting at 10 o'clock, the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candle lighting time. That's happening today, of course. So plenty going on. Plus, of course, the weekly update. Weekly update, 7.40 this morning, Eastern Time, right here, minutes away at JM and the AM. Soul to sing 
make my soul to sing. Shabbat Shalom. It's nice to be at home. Shabbat Shalom. It's nice to be at home.
J.M. in the A.M. Chizku done by Mordechai Shapiro, David Lowy before that in Koamar. Shabbat Shalom, one of our favorites from Diaspora. Aaron Razel had Yom Shabbaton Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos. Candle lighting at 8.11. Tuesday is the 4th of July. We're here. Uh, I think we have to make a final decision about who's going to be uh, hosting on Tuesday, but uh, we are here every single day next week, yeah. Between 6 and 9 as we uh, continue all summer long with amazing things happening this summer, yeah. A lot of interesting things going on. Even with the three weeks beginning in 11 days from now. <laughs> Afternoon thunderstorms and a high of 88. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 88. We're at 74 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. If you did not have an opportunity to support us during last month's Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting uh, fundraiser, which uh, we thank everybody to, who responded to uh, for being so generous, uh, make sure to uh, go to the website today, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. You go to that website and uh, give generously and keep us going at JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network, and we thank you. It is the not-for-profit arm of this great network. Uh, it's one of the ways we keep going each and every day, and your help and support is greatly appreciated. A lot of people really came through with uh, wonderful donations during the fundraiser, and we thank you. And subsequent to that, a lot of people have been donating since then. So thank you very much. Again, it's fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Weekly update coming up, or by Uden, of course, and plenty more. It's JM and the AM on a Friday uh, as we continue with Vegas. Bonos also for you. Hello. 
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning. Seems our technical problems have been worked out. <laughs> Speaking to the world again, Baruch Hashem. Friday morning on this June 30th, the 6th of Tammuz, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Chukas with candle lighting at 8.11. Get right into our weekly update. The uh, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, he is Malcolm Honline, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Boker Tov to glitch-free Malcolm Siegel. <laughs> glitch-free, yeah. One of, the, one of those mornings is going to happen where we're completely glitch-free, thank God. I'm waiting for the president to tweet about you one morning. Ah, that's how you know you made it, huh? <laughs> that's that's it. how you know you made it. Um, well, since we last spoke, uh, the Jewish community lost Rabbi Mayer's Lotowitz. You and I have often spoken about the effect one person can have on really the entire Jewish world, the entire Jewish globe. Uh, his life would be one of that example, correct? No, he would not be one. He is a prime example. He's somebody who accomplished so much and fortunately died much too young. He was a very close friend. I, I think about him all the time now. He's, his contribution beyond the, the, whatever success they had as a publisher, he transformed learning. He made Torah available to people of all kinds, across all barriers. And I think the underlying theme, and if you look at a lot of his Yantav messages, uh, the ones he used to issue before uh, major holidays, all of them had the underlying theme of achdut, of the unity of the Jewish people. And certainly he showed the Torah as a unifying factor. So did you go into the offices of people who are not observant, but you will see art scroll uh, publications there, people of every stripe of every kind, even non-Jews, who have found the beauty and the, the incredible treasure that were, was in the, the volumes that he uh, published. And when he held public events, uh, what you just said, uh, there was perfect evidence there. It was really across the board. I mean, we're talking about people of all different religious backgrounds, geographic backgrounds, uh, certainly not necessarily from the New York area, that's for sure. And I like speaking to people like you who travel the world because you've been to every major city on this globe and you've seen Art Scroll, a books and Sfarim, correct? Absolutely. And even in congressional offices, which really surprised me, or you know, people you would least expect to, to see uh, an Art Scroll publication. Yeah, pretty amazing. So we remember Rabbi Mayor Zlotowicz and uh, his work will no doubt continue um, uh, really changing the entire Jewish world. Um, all right, Malcolm, it looks like the uh, American Jewish community is getting involved in this issue regarding the Kotel, and uh, I think much to the chagrin of the Prime Minister and others in Israel as well. Uh, w would you simply say that Jewish leadership in this country should stay out of this issue, or is it more complicated than that? It is more complicated. Uh, you know, generally the rule, we abide by the rule that people should not get involved in, in the internal affairs uh, but when it comes to defense and security, here you have things that impact both communal and personal uh, status issues as, as people see them. I think that there's a lot of distortion and misrepresentation about uh, some of the things. Uh, we had a conference call for with the uh, foreign policy advisor of the prime minister who really articulated uh, the facts as they saw them. Uh, but as you know, this issue has been... Um, 
perceived and presented uh, and and is seen here by by many people as uh, deeply troubling, and we get an immense amount amount of reaction to it. People very upset, and our hope is that it just be resolved very quickly. They had an agreement that uh, they did not uh, that they rescinded or they uh, froze. He did not end it. He didn't retract it. He froze it in place for for part of it, not even the whole thing. Um, and now it's gotten also tangled with issues related to the conversion bill. Yeah. So we'll see over the weekend how they how they are able to maneuver and manipulate it. And it seems the conversion discussion led to uh, a big blow-up uh, uh, in that meeting today in the Knesset. And on top of that, um, the, um, uh, the, the, the groups that are you know, calling for uh, Israeli action or Israeli government action it's funny, and it's hard to believe I'm even saying this because usually, you know, I, I like when leaders are decisive. In, in this case, I sort of can't blame the prime minister for kicking the can down the road. He is so between a rock and a hard place. I'm almost sympathetic to him in this case that it's almost impossible to resolve. It is, and that's the problem when you politicize issues uh, of this kind. These are, are sensitive issues, and you can't deal with. Uh, these kind of uh, uh, religious issues and things that uh, uh, in, involve uh, personal standing, or as they as they perceive it, but also for those who who are concerned about the halakhic implications, uh, when you have when it's subjected to to the kind of uh, parliamentary maneuvers or political machinations, you know it becomes very complicated, and then it is so so much misinformation is spread and, and people saying they won't be able to go to Israel, they're not going to be allowed in, all of which is, of course, not true. Um, what do you think? Will there be a resolution or we're literally going to wait till the next decision? No, I think, I think Netanyahu really wants to get a resolution. He has pointed a group. I think on the Kotel issues there will be, uh, there could be, well, in the next days, uh, a, a new uh, solution offered. Um, sometimes it's, uh, and, and everyone should understand how I'm saying this. I know you will, but I don't want to be misunderstood. Uh, sometimes it's easier to deal with ex- existential threats than, than, than deal in peaceful times with internal problems like these. Absolutely right. And it's just, uh, yeah, and the unity, and we've said this a million times, the unity that we experience when those ex- existential threats are out there, uh, unfortunately, seems we cannot experience during peaceful and luxurious times like this. But hopefully cooler heads will prevail, right? But I also hope people don't think that these are these are times when you see what's happened just in the last couple of days along the Syrian border with Iran's manipulations and and manifestations of Hezbollah presence and uh, the the extension of the uh, the new Shiite uh, Hezbollah um, in Syria and the Shiite militias and the um, and and the revelations about the fact that they when they shot the missile in December was the the target had a Mug and David on it, and the threats and the missiles that we just saw in the, in the Al Quds parade and the, the demonstrations taking place in Europe, in Africa, in Asia, in New York, in Toronto, with signs in some places that said "Death to Israel, Death to Jews, Death to the United States." You know, we, we shouldn't think that um, that there is a calm right now. It is not at all. The sea is raging, and. It may not be an existential danger, but it's certainly a severe and serious threat. 
Um, back for yeah, and and agreed, and we'll talk about a lot of that in just a moment. But back just for a second, you're you're. I don't know if you'd call it a sensitive position or not. I know that you, as a leader of the conference of presidents, have asked the Israeli government to try to resolve this issue as soon as possible. Understood, and we and we get the reasons why. But there are certain organizations within the conference who have been extremely vocal. Is that does that put you in a difficult position, or are they just represent their their own position? People and- are free to represent their positions. Uh, and if you notice, when we said we called for an end to the threats and the intimidation and the people saying, you know, the, uh, I mean, of all kinds uh, that are going on, um, uh, barring people from Israelis from coming here and, and threatening support for Israel, uh, the people can, every body is free to, to make their own decisions and organizations individually are free to take uh, positions. As far as I, uh, you know, the the um, they issue individual statements uh, or take positions based upon their own internal uh, decision making process. Yeah. All right. So, like you always say, voice your opinion, do it in a respectful manner, and understand your position, especially when you're six thousand miles away. Exactly. Right. All right. Uh, talk about the Syrian border. You mentioned uh, some of the activity there. Plus, on top of that, some of it was just after Prime Minister Netanyahu had visited that area, right? I assume no coincidence. No, he he has visited there before, and uh, I don't think there's this buildup has been going on. When you can see from Israel's northern border, Iranian flags across the border. There's a hill overlooking Matula where they have this giant uh, poster of, of Khamenei uh, uh, glowering uh, uh, over uh, the dome of the, uh, over a picture of the dome of the rock, and it says, "We are coming" in Hebrew and Arabic. And the the um, Nasrallah was boasting of the thousands of fighters that will come and are joining them to help fight against Israel in Afghanistan, from Yemen, from Pakistan. We see the um, uh, the, fl- the flags of Hezbollah visible clearly along the border. We see Unifil troops have done nothing. If anything, they've become more and more of a, an obstacle. Uh, long and and we know that the uh, Iranians are building the road that I've talked about for a very long time here that goes through uh, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq uh, to to Iran to give them immediate access and brings them close to the border of Israel. The even the UN ordered uh, Syrian affiliated troops out of the buffer zone adjacent to the Golan and Israel as you know, has retaliated to some of the errant fire that crossed the border because they have to send a clear message as this buildup is taking place. And they're, they're taking all sorts of prophylactic measures uh, along the, the border. But Nasrallah said that you're all con- Israel was concerned about the Lebanese border. Now they're going to have to worry about the security in the Golan and, I didn't, and I didn't in even, the north. I didn't even realize Nasrallah had cooperation with the, the, the group along the Syrian border. I always thought he was exclusively Lebanon. He, Hezbollah was, but Hezbollah was brought into the war in Syria. They've lost uh, what fifteen hundred people there, including key officers. They they are the primary fighting force together with the Shiite militias. Iran doesn't send its own troops to fight. It's uh. using the Hezbollah, and now they they've created this Hezbollah of Syria. Not that it, it represents, uh, to my mind, a huge difference. It's it's an extension of what exists already, but they are are you know they they are making a more blatant expression of the threat that they would like to pose. You know, the early summer discussion, it seems to be an annual tradition, unfortunately, about, you know, war or not war, God forbid, is always, it always seems it's along the Gaza border, the conversation. Uh, not much conversation. I mean, I, I, I would assume there's, there's a, uh, an Israeli troop buildup in, in the area along the Syrian border, right? I mean, there has to be, I guess. 
there is a buildup of uh, forces and capacity uh, for early detection and for uh, protection of the border. And the Israel, as I said, has a buffer zone, and they've in fact allowed groups to to work out of there. Uh, some that are surprising, but because they're not fighting against Israel, that they're they're serving in fact to protect the Jordanian border as well. The the um, the, the Gaza border uh, is not exactly cool right now because we've seen the threats from from Hamas. But I don't believe right now that they or Hezbollah wants a war. They don't want to see an escalation of open violence. Uh, it's why Israel puts the markers down so um, so quickly, as to so there is no misunderstanding and and no um, mistakes made that would lead to uh, you know actual fire and and uh, which could escalate very quickly. You know you have the the underground factories assembling missiles in Lebanon today, Iranian uh, sponsored. Uh, so that they don't have to import it the same way as they did. They they import the parts and it's assembled and uh, even some of it manufactured today in Lebanon. And the Lebanese army and Hezbollah are completely integrated and they talk about it, they boast about the the integration and you see that Hezbollah coming with American-made equipment which could well come from the Lebanese army and that we've given them, the United States provided a billion dollars in aid to to them over the last decade. So the situation is uh, is constantly changing, and as it is in Syria itself, and Israel doesn't have a margin of error here. They have to take whatever steps are necessary to assure the, their security. Is that really the difference between the north and the south? That Hamas would be just much more ready to jump into a war, and 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 in, in the north they'd, they'd hesitate. Uh, you know, they'd hes- I think both are hesitating. Hamas doesn't want war. Islamic Jihad, which is more favored by Iran these days, I think is responsible for some of the very limited missile fire that's uh, taking place. And Israel retaliated very strongly uh, for, for those uh, uh, actions. And Iran has has uh, things to lose. They want to build a naval base now. I think the Russians are, are blocking it, but they have uh, a lot in, invested in Syria right now. And in addition to the tens of thousands of Shiite militia who are there. They also have moved families, Shiite families, in to replace the Sunni population, uh, something that we don't see the condemnations, that uh, you have ethnic cleansing going on in the most blatant form uh, 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 possible. So the, the, the um, I think that people have to look at all aspects of this to see the movement of troops, who's building bases, who's got more and more of a vested interest in um, in how things move in in the region. Yeah, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com. On the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is with us. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. What do you think of the current status of the Trump travel ban? Well, it's, it's a limited one because the court uh, authorized him on the interim basis until this is finally resolved to to allow it. So we'll have to see the implementation and the demonstrations. I guess at airports will will uh, have taken place, but I think more muted than in in the past, at least so far. Uh, and the you know the need to be careful about who gets in and uh, where they come from is is one indication of of uh, based on the history.
history and we know the involvements, but the growing network of, of the Hamas, Hezbollah, demonstrated, as I said, during the Al-Quds Day, when we see it so all over the world, they were able to trigger these these demonstrations. It tells you that there has to be uh, scrutiny, and it's not just where people come from. Uh, by the way, I, one thing I just want to mention about the Hezbollah in Lebanon, that there's this incredible development where they, they have developed in nature reserves. They have uh, a new unit, they, they, some they call it the, the Green Warriors, but others it, it's officially called the Green Without Borders, where they are planting trees and um, actually building lookouts along the border under the guise of these uh, nature reserves, which is what the Israelis used to call the underground Hezbollah tunnels and bunkers in southern Lebanon. Now we're seeing real uh, nature reserves, not really meant to deal with any kind of, of uh, climate issues uh, or climate-related issues, but it's it's the um, and the UN rejected the complaint when when Israel um, uh, talked about the tree planting activities uh, and these are increasingly closer to the border because it gives a cover to them both to be able to monitor but also to place missiles and to do other mischievous things uh, along the the border. So this is. Um, uh, green without borders, and there are similar groups work together with the municipalities in southern Lebanon and and the Bekaa Valley, Bekaa, Western Bekaa, and um, and these are directives that are coming directly from Hezbollah, and yet and so they they really are are able to exploit any issue for for their terrible and devious goals. Unbelievable. What about the? Was there any UN reaction to the? Uh... Uh, alert by Israel regarding the Star of David that you mentioned earlier being used as a target? Oh, sure. Yeah, because they did file a complaint, am I right? That Israel actually went to UNESCO or to the UN and to, to, to inform well, them? Well, this not nothing to do with UNESCO. There is a, a big issue with UNESCO, which is coming up on July 2nd next week, when we they, and July 7th likely to be a vote where they vote about Hebron and the status of Hebron uh, and the Mar Samachpelo, the Cave of the Patriarchs, which was going to be declared, again, a Muslim site, and the traditional Judeo-Christian name, the historical connection of the Jewish people will be erased from the UN uh, books by the virtue of this kind of an action, and it's it's something we're fighting, but they go beyond it this time because the language, as opposed to the ones on Jerusalem that we have seen, and on Kevarachal, Rachel's tomb, uh, this one declares these as part of the state of Palestine. So they're even as- ascribing sovereignty to the Palestinians over uh, what is the second holiest uh, city to, to Jews that was the capital before Jerusalem, and the Marat Machpelo, which is probably the oldest Jewish site, uh, holy site in, in the world. Uh, so this is, I know people think it's not important. Believe me, it's vitally important. Well, how is it going? I mean, what would, what would happen if the vote happened today, do you know? It would pass today. Which is not good news. It's just terrible news. Because one by one, they're stripping our past away. They're denying the legitimacy of 3,800 years of Jewish history and 2,000 years of Christian history. That they are saying that that the the past didn't exist, that now official documents only name and mention the, uh, you know, the the, uh, Muslim names and all of the traditional names, the Temple Mount, uh, the Western Wall, the Rachel's Tomb, Cave of the Patriots, they're all going to be changed, and yeah. they're only listed as them by their Muslim names. So, so we're at a point of last-ditch effort right now. Right now we are working uh, with the countries who are members. Israel's working on it. We are trying. We've, uh, we've 
we have a petition online that people can can see uh, at, at change.org and we are um, asking people to make their voices heard if those who have contact with UN ambassadors for from countries uh, where they may do business or have some relationship to to be heard right away on, on this because we only have a few days left you're spending too much time on these UN things it's taking up a lot of your very valuable time i see Yes, and in a body that isn't worth it, it's uh, it's very disturbing. But but the problem is you can't dismiss it, and every and people too often do. And when we raise it, I know that they say, you know, why? What do they care? The answer is that your grandchildren will ask. Are going to come back, and it's going to haunt them and us because of what we failed to do when they can't visit these sites because they're only going to be open to Muslims. And they'll say, what are you talking about? The United Nations designated these as Muslim holy sites. Yeah. And our control, our sovereignty, our our place there has been di- has been diminished, and eventually will be denied. With that in mind, uh, join me in wishing Mazel Tov to the couple who got married in Harabayat. However, they went ahead and did it, which is pretty amazing. I don't know if you if you endorse you know illegal activity, but I'm going to. Oh, good. <laughs> so so we wish them a Mazel Tov. And also in the month of uh, let me get this right, in the month of Sivan. A 100% increase in the number of Jews who visited Harabayat compared to Sivan last year, which I guess is good news right. for those who believe that visiting there is important because it continues to show the world that it, the importance of it, meaning Harabayat, the Temple Mount, to us, and that we will not uh, you know, easily let go of it. We're going to put up a fight if, in fact, others try to claim it. And the same should apply to people who should be visiting Marsa Machpelah. Right. They should be visiting Kevarachal. They have to continue to, to go to these places and to show the you know the, the sovereignty over it and, and the control of it and why it is important to us. What's it like for you, and we know what kind of role you had in the Soviet jury movement, to see someone like Yuli Edelstein address the Russian parliament? It, it's quite remarkable. It's obviously a first in many respects, and Yuli is a very close friend and speaker of the Knesset of Israel and gave a very strong address uh, about uh, the issues from that uh, forum. But it's an important statement, and I think it's uh, the symbolism of it may be more important than the substance, but it's certainly uh, quite a remarkable development when you think of here was a prisoner of Zion who came from uh, the gulag and now is sitting in, in that kind of position. Unbelievable. Uh, what do you think of the Trump-Modi meeting in terms of the uh, United States relationship with India? Seem to have come off well, and now Bodhi, Modi is going next week to Israel, which is a first for a sitting prime minister. Oh, he'll be in Israel next week? Yes. Interesting. And he's very excited about it. There's a, a lot of anticipation uh, of the of the visit, and uh, the prime minister is probably going to Germany for the coal uh, funeral, uh, or is going for the uh, uh, for the former chancellor, Helmut Kohl. Uh, and then on his return, I think he comes... On the on Tuesday or so, um, to Israel for and he rejected a visit to Ramallah. I mean, he's a very courageous and bold guy. When he was governor of Gujarat, he established very close. That's a state in India. He established very close ties with Israel, with billions of dollars of investment. And now, as prime minister, he has been very forthright, openly associating with Israel. It's it's an amazing development pretty amazing and uh, and that would be the that would be the brief right on the israel india relationship at this point only improving and in some ways surprising uh yes and remember india is the second largest muslim country in the world right. 
uh, I think of 250 million Muslims, and it's uh, it's an economic powerhouse. The, the amount of trade has steadily gone up between Israel and India. Uh, it's it's a great development, and and at the same time, you see the Chinese enhancing their relationship with Israel. Unfortunately, the, these countries don't necessarily vote in the United Nations the way we want yet, but there certainly has been uh, huge strides made in the relationships. Has Israel made progress against these cyber attacks? A lot of publicity for the ones that have affected Israeli hospitals, but uh, some of us heard last month about the ones affecting that affected Israeli and other countries' hotels, uh, and it seems that this is getting to a level of sophistication that has never been seen before. Against Israel, against the United States, against everyone. Yeah. There are thousands of attacks a day against Israeli uh, on the Internet, against Israeli sites, Israeli institutions, and they have been able to to thwart the vast majority of them. Periodically, some get through. That's inevitable. It happens here as well. And uh, and Israel is the leading is leading the world in the defense against uh, cyber attacks and uh, enhanced cybersecurity. Uh, all countries all over the world are coming to them to to learn and to hire them and to enlist them in, in their domestic campaigns against it. Did you read that article? I don't know if you saw the article where there's an Orthodox Jew who's at the forefront of fighting these cyber attacks. I mean, I'm sure there's some in Israel as well, but there's one here in the New York area that has a prominent role in the whole thing. No, I didn't see the article. Um, Iran, uh, the well, let's let's go back for a moment. The I, I'm confused. I'm confused about what happened yesterday with Iraq because. Um, Iraqi Prime Minister has declared an end to the IS Caliphate after Iraqi forces captured a compound of a landmark mosque in Mosul. So this is this is Iraq versus ISIS, essentially? It is, and it's because the the place they captured was the site where he declared the IS Caliphate. So they're saying now, with the recapture, it's symbolic uh, significance, they're saying. But what is, the, uh, what is the ISIS presence in Iraq at this point? Well, they still have a presence, but it is... Isolated, they are they are contained, and um, uh, and they're still fighting in in Syria as well. But in Iraq, the forces have have uh, contained, I think, the presence and the ability of ISIS to 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 operate there. And a week later, because we discussed this last week, is there anything any more clarity regarding ISIS's presence in Iran and how the government of Iran is dealing with them? Well, they arrested some people, but um, the question of whether this is really ISIS or is it domestic terrorists, is it, which is something they will always cover up, uh, and they don't want and, and try not to allow there to be any information about the domestic unrest. Uh, there are people who have said it could have been Kurds, it could have been Azeris, the Baluchis, many of the other minorities who are very unhappy with the current situation and with the government. So uh, ISIS is, of course, a much more convenient target to to blame for it it hasn't been proven yet that uh, they were able to get through and to to carry it off and so that was a, an immediate reaction to to the attack right and the u.s government is ready to seize a manhattan skyscraper from an iranian american charity the jury jury found the charity's majority ownership was derived from financial dealings that violated sanctions against Iran. Is this a drop in the bucket? Is this happening, you know, a hundred more times in other places? And this is essentially the the only one they've gotten, or this is a rarity, and they're able to uh, to every time it comes up, uh, if these are being obtained illegally, sanction wise, they're able to seize them. Yeah, I think it's the latter. 
that the this is first of all the symbolism of this and you may recall that I discussed this many years ago we had targeted this building which was owned by the Alavi Foundation which is Iranian and the uh, supposedly an Amer- Iranian American charity but the uh, but the court found that the majority ownership was derived from financial dealings that violated the sanctions uh, against Iran and the they, they can seize this building, which is valued by some people from between a half a billion and a billion dollars. They also seize sites in in several other places where similar uh, accusations have been made. In fact, in this site, they said there's a secret interest of the state o- bank of Iran, Bank Melli, which you remember we've talked about in the past. And uh, they've they're saying that the government. Uh, the U.S. government is saying that Iran secretly controlled the building for years and and many millions of dollars in rent payments were being funneled uh, to it from the partnership of the Alavi Foundation and and the Shell Company. So it is uh, is very important, and the funds would go to those who won judgments uh, over $5 billion worth, I think, at this point, in terrorism-related judgments against uh, Iran and uh, including claims by some of those who were victims of the September 11th uh, attacks. Yeah. So it's um, uh, we don't know yet what impact it will have on the Alavi Foundation, uh, but there's, uh, there's long been concern expressed, and we've talked about it in this and, building. And, and they put up quite a fight, legally, a legal oh, of fight. Of course, yes, yes, of course. No, but as I said, this fight has been going on for, for many years. It's a 36-story building. And, uh, you know, as a front for the Iranian government, supposedly, and a gateway for all of this money to be funneled to them, it's a serious, important decision. Finally, what do we know about this claim that uh, Israel did not allow uh, certain newborns from Gaza to get into Israel for uh, treatment? That it's not true, that Israelis have said they know of no such cases. Then, in fact, it was the the government, uh, the PA, that has barred people from getting the permits, the vouchers necessary to 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 come to Israel, about 1,600 people being treated for all sorts of things, from cancer to uh, childhood diseases, and they they used to pass through and as part of the punishment package that they initiated. But they also, you know, charge people who want to come from the West Bank. People don't know how many thousands. Right now, I think in Gaza it's 1,600, but there are thousands who come from the West Bank to Israeli hospitals to be treated for for all sorts of medical uh, uh, treatments, and the the PA charges them, and unless you're a member of the elite in the Fatah circles, etc., who get top priority, you can wait for months to to go across. And, you know, there are Israelis who, who volunteer and who sit along the border at the crossing points to take them to the hospitals for free, just people volunteering. To um, I think it's called Road to Recovery. This organization, I think they have 500 volunteers, Israelis, who come there to help uh, them get to the hospitals and then back to, to go back across the border after their treatment. So this is, uh, you know, it's another one of those myths that are are spread, and two people are too ready to accept it or believe that there's some veracity. Israel that treated 3,000 people from Syria, mm-hmm. treating thousands and thousands of Palestinians, they're going to deny babies the treatment. Not a chance. And Nikki Haley does not let up, does she? It's amazing when it comes to Iran in the U.N. Oh, she's been very forthright in her speeches and, and uh, being ahead of the curve on some of the, on some of the issues and uh, certainly outspoken and changes the tone there. I mean, it puts down a marker, raises the standard when the United States stands up and speaks out for, on these vital issues. You think Israel will have a quiet summer, Malcolm? 
Uh, I think Israel, that there's, there is no immediate danger that the problem will be in Israel, between Israelis, right. not necessarily from the outside. But, look, there's, nobody can predict what, what will be in this kind of uh, transitional time when you have so many parties at play. And, and the, the danger is not that somebody intentionally starts a conflict, that they back into it, that some incident, that there's an exchange of fire and it goes awry or it, it escalates and then people respond. The um, I don't believe right now, I know that right now, there's no party that has the power to do so that is, is interested in initiating a real armed conflict. Have a wonderful Shabbos. I thank you for you joining too. us, and we'll speak again next week. Malcolm, Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, a comprehensive weekly update here on a Friday morning at JM in the AM. Candlelighting at 8.11 in the New York area, 8.11 candlelighting time. On this era of Shabbos, big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you want to go to uh, their website and print out millions of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world, you should do so. Thank you, JewishWorldReview.com. And a big thank you to OnlySimplas.com, including our content and a whole bunch of great news feed items that they have posted every single day. And we thank them for including us. Go to OnlySimplas.com, not only for Simplas, but for interesting news from around the Jewish world as well. OnlySimplas.com. Com. This time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Chukas. Parshas Chukas, according to the Chinuch, contains three positive mitzvos all related to the different aspects of the Para Aduma, which is the first part of the Parsha, which is the quintessential Chok. A Chok is a law that we cannot and do not understand. Now, this in of itself is worthy of a very important assertion, and that is, I don't believe that you'll find in other constitutions a law which people say, well, we just can't understand this. And that is true. Why? Because their laws are all made by man. Our laws are divine. And part of the Torah is to have laws which we can't understand because they come from God. If we would do only those laws which we understand, think about it for a moment, then ultimately we are worshipping ourselves. That which we understand, we do. That which we don't understand, we don't do. And therefore, come the chukim, come the laws such as the Paraduma, whereby a person who becomes Tomei, impure, by having come in contact with dead, being under the same roof as a dead body, think about it. You go to a funeral, you do a mitzvah. You come out Tomei. You go to a Tara, and you wash and dress the deceased, and you come out impure. 
okay? And the Torah prescribes a specific ritual whereby on day three and on day seven, you are have a Mr. Kohen sprinkle upon you the ash and water, the ash from the Paraduma, and after day seven, you will become Tohor. And interestingly, the very individual who administers this, the Kohen, in the process, he becomes Tomei, not for seven days, but for one day. But still, it's something which the wise King Solomon could not understand. And this is so important that we recognize that this is another aspect of our recognizing the divinity of Torah. The Torah comes from God. And therefore, because it is the Torah from Hashem, we accept it and we yield to the higher authority. Okay, as we move on in the parsha, the Torah tells us that Miriam dies and as a result there is no water for the people to drink. The people are understandably unhappy and they, if you want, are uh, literally campaigning, that's a nice word, against Moshe for water. And so God says to Moshe, the famous directive, go take the staff and speak to the rock together, you and your brother Aaron. Instead of speaking to the rock, Moshe hits the rock. Yes, he hits it twice, water comes out, but as a result, both here in Parshas Chukas, in chapter 20, verse 12, Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron, Ya'an, because, Lo tembi, you did not, quote, believe in me enough, Lahakdisheni, to sanctify me, Leinei b'nei Yisrael, therefore you will not bring the people to, quote, the promised land. And once again, I urge you, take the Chumashim to your table tonight and go to the very end of Ha'azinu. And after the Shira of Moshe, of Ha'azinu, you have the Maftir, and you have several psukim where God tells Moshe, once again, to go up to the mountain and see Eretz Canaan, then you're going to die, right? And why? Verse 51 in chapter 32, at the end of Azinu, Al Hashem Al Tembi. Literally, there's going to be, as you're going to see, and this is the explanation of the Ramban, that Moshe and Aaron commit an act of Me'ilah, as I'm going to explain. Now, interestingly, this incident of Me'imariva is perhaps one of the most challenging for us to understand in the whole Torah, and that's why it really belongs in Parshas Chukas, that just as we can't understand the Parah Aduma, so too we can't understand, quote, what Moshe's sin was. And therefore, interestingly, the Orachayim HaKadosh lists no less than ten possible explanations as to what was Moshe's sin from the opinion of Rashi, that he hits the rock instead of speaking to the rock, to the opinion of the Maasei Hashem, whereby Moshe 
and the Jewish people, they differed as to which rock should be addressed. The people having dug out and selected a different rock, and Moshe in anger at the people threw his staff, which hit the rock, and water emerged. Now I'd like to focus on the opinion of the Ramban in our parsha, who agrees with Rabbeinu Hananel that Moshe's sin was that he and Aaron said to the people, Hamin Hasela, right, from this rock, says Moshe to the people, Hamin Hasela Hazer, Notzilochem Mayim, from this rock shall we bring forth water, giving the impression that they, Moshe and Aaron, with their knowledge and their capabilities, will produce the water. They should have used the word Yotzi, which clearly means that it would be referring to Hashem, that He will perform the miracle. As indeed we find earlier in the book of Shmos, that in chapter 16, Pasuk 8, Moshe says to the people that it is clearly Hashem who brings forth. Quote, says Moshe, B'seis Hashem lochem bo'erev basar le'echol v'lechem pa'boker lizboa. Literally, that Hashem gives you in the evening meat to eat and bread to satiate in the morning. And therefore, it's understandable, continues the Ramban, that in Devarim, as we mentioned earlier, 3251, where Hashem clearly announces why Moshe does not enter the Promised Land, he enumerates two wrongdoings of Moshe. One, Hashem Altembi, literally, you trespassed, and we'll talk about Me'ilah in a minute, against me, or the sin of Me'ilah. And secondly, Lokidashtemosi, you did not sanctify me among B'nai Yisrael. Now, listen carefully now. The Ramban notes that what transpired here was assessed by Hashem to be an act of Me'ilah. Me'ilah is misuse or abuse of sanctified property, most often associated with the misuse of the base Amigdash, its possessions, korbanos, and offerings. And the Ramban is broadening the horizon and definition of Me'ilah. Moshe had, our rabbis tell us, an incredible opportunity. The Torah tells us that Moshe and Aaron gathered the entire congregation before the rock. And Rashi quotes the Medrash in Bayekor Rabbah that the entire nation, literally millions of people, were able to miraculously stand in front of the rock to see and hear the proceedings. Thus, in this environment, Moshe's use of notzi, as if we, Moshe and Aaron, rather than Yotzi, he, Hashem, was a form of Me'ilah, Moshe taking the credit and honor to some extent that was due Hashem, and on some level attributing the success to himself and Aaron. And therefore the absence of a great Kiddush Hashem, sanctification of Hashem's name, was thus a Chilil Hashem, desecration on Moshe's level on he and Aaron's part. And therefore what emerges from these words and teachings of the Ramban is that the entire world is really Hashem's stage.
And man constantly has the opportunity to either bring honor or the opposite to Hashem's name. And the Talmud in Brachos, at the beginning of the sixth parak, teaches that Osor Adam, it is prohibited for an individual, to get benefit from this world, without first reciting a bracha. And whoever does derive benefit from this world without first reciting a bracha, Mo'al has committed an act of me'ila, stealing from the holy. It's the unauthorized use of his property, as indeed we are taught in Tehillim, that the entire earth, Lashem Ha'oretz Umloa. So the difference between eating with or without a bracha might be compared to Notsi, which is man, or Yotzi, which is God. With a bracha, one is acknowledging that Shahakol Niyeh Bidvoro, that everything and every aspect of the nourishment that a person is about to consume, everything came about only with the directive and involvement of Hashem. True, man is involved with sowing and planting and harvesting and baking, but still one admits with a bracha, as we find in Devarim, in Parshas Ekev, chapter 8, Pasuk 18, he is the one that gives you the strength to make wealth. Understood by Targum Unkelis, he gives you the intelligence, ideas to succeed and progress. Without the recitation of a bracha, it is notzi. Man is ascribing and taking too much to himself and his own involvement. And therefore, the recitation of a bracha is not only simply a matir, enabling one to rightfully enjoy their food, but a personal religious encounter acknowledging his presence and participation of Hashem in all that we do. And I just wish to conclude with the very bottom of page Lamed Hey. Amad Aleph in Brachos, whereby the Gemara says, ay, 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 what should a person do if they do benefit from this world without a bracha? And the answer is, he should go to a wise man. Now what's that going to do? And the answer is, let him go to the wise man and let him go to the Besam Medrash. And today, as we unfortunately mourn the loss of Rabbi Zlatowitz, there are so many books in all languages, in English, about brachos, that we can give honor to his memory and the incredible contribution that he, an art scroll, has made to Jewish learning over these last decades by our being machazek, our brachos, and if we're not exactly sure, have the book in the house telling us which one, but most important, if we're not reciting them yet, now is the time that we should 
have the outlook on life that it's Yotzi, that it's God who is truly performing this and not, God forbid, that it should be man bringing it forth. Shabbat Shalom to all.
Friday morning with Regesh. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Chukas. Candlelighting at 8.11 on this Erev Shabbos. My thanks to Rabbi Yudin for his words. My thanks to all of you for tuning in and being part of this amazing radio experience. Don't forget, Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami. JM Sunday. Matis is not going to allow 4th of July weekend to go by without a JM Sunday. That's for sure. Tune in Sunday morning between 7 and 9 Eastern time. You get a nice two-hour live presentation of JM Sunday with Matis Weingast. Always does an amazing job. And I thank him. JM Sunday, this coming Sunday, between 7 and 9 Eastern Time. Right here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Hey, coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Table for Two with Naomi Nachman, and you'll be able to see the uh, you'll be able to see the video on our homepage at NachumSiegel.com. You'll be able to listen to it, of course, on the uh, on our app and on our network. It's part two of Naomi's show from the Kosher Culinary Center in Brooklyn, New York. Then, of course, the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix all through the day, all the way until candlelighting time. So there's plenty to do, plenty to listen to as you uh, relax in your home, your office, your car on an Arab Shabbos with us at the Nahum Siegel Network. Plenty more coming up. It's a Friday. It's JM in the AM.
Although some listeners not happy that we're interrupting this selection, I can tell you that much. <laughs> Yehuda Green with the great Mim Komcha from the one and only Rav Shlomo Kalbach. Before that, Gershon Veroba. You heard uh, Regesh in there with Shalom Aleichem. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM in the AM, and it is in fact time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM.
Sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app, that's for sure. Wraps up a great week for us here at JM in the AM. Uh, coming up, it's Naomi Nachman with the second half of her show from the Kosher Culinary Center, then Kedem's presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami. Matis has JM Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday morning. And, of course, Monday we're back here at JM the AM starting at 6 a.m., and we're here all through the week, even with 4th of July and all that. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend, until uh, Monday morning. Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.